Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Hello, and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and I'm a certified financial planner practitioner, and this is a show for you, a show to help you understand your money better. I want you to understand the stock market and economic data and what you should be concerned about and how you can understand what things mean when they talk about them on the news. I want to help you keep up with legislative updates that impact your money. Then I want to talk about different financial planning topics in the Plan Your Prosperity section. And then finally, in the Ask Peggy part of the show, people send me questions and I answer them on the air. So let's go ahead and get started with today's Bulls and Bears market and economic update. Rather than actually giving you data, which I give every week, I want to talk today a little bit about how to understand what the data means. Even though many times people follow the stock market daily, and usually I give you the stock market numbers weekly, I want you to be careful to take a longer-term perspective on the market movements. It's very easy to get all wound up about what the market's done on any one day, but truthfully, if you keep up with what the market is doing quarterly, four times a year, or even taking a longer-term perspective than that, What is the trend of what the market is doing? You know, there's a lot of noise and there's so much market activity today that a one-day movement may very well reverse itself the next day. Now, this is not to say that you shouldn't keep up with your investments. And if you like to look at it every day, then you should do it. But I want you to be very careful before you really get excited about something over one day or you completely panic in a day because a longer-term perspective will help you understand what's going on. Remember, if you have a financial goal that you're investing for, that goal needs to be at least two or three years in the future. If you've got a goal and you're needing to save for it and that goal is in less than a year, that money really shouldn't be in the stock market in the first place because of the volatility, the risk that something goes wrong and causes you a problem at exactly the time you don't have a chance to recover from it. Economic data is interesting too. And one of the most common pieces of economic data that we talk about is the jobs report. And I would never say that the jobs report doesn't matter because the jobs report gives us a sense of what percentage of our population is employed, you know, how many people are entering or leaving the workplace. There can be some slippage, but just in general, the jobs numbers are interesting. However, they are more of an indication of where we have been than where we're going. They call them lagging indicators, an indicator that lags economic news. So why is the jobs number lagging news? If you think about an employer, an employer doesn't like to fire people. They'll generally do everything they can before they have layoffs. So the last thing they do when they're in trouble is fire people. 
And then once things get bad, they're very nervous about hiring people back. So they want to be absolutely sure that everything is going well, that the economy is good, before they start hiring again. So if you've got to wait until the economy is good before you hire, that means you've had a lot of good economic movement before that jobs number reflects it. So yes, track the jobs number just like you should track the stock market, but be aware that jobs data is more an indication of where we've been than an indication of where we're going. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma KVOY 104.5 FM for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And I have two interesting things to talk about today. The first is some movement on the part of states wanting to deny people the ability to call themselves certified. Um, it's literally bar legislation that bars professionals of any type from using the term certified or registered unless that title has been conveyed by a, a state-sanctioned board or agency. So the only people who could be um, certified or registered would be someone who had gotten a blessing from the state. Well, obviously, the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards is not happy about this legislative move, and I think it's a real risk. I really don't think it's directed specifically at CFP professionals to stop us from using the word certified. I do think it's a movement on the part of states to make sure that there aren't a thousand different designations out there that convey a level of knowledge, a level of professionalism that doesn't really exist. One of my biggest pet peeves in financial services are the millions of designations that exist. Some designations require a lot of work to achieve. Um, the Certified Financial Planner Practitioner designation is um, coursework and three years of experience and a closed book 10-hour exam. Certainly, I mean, that's one reason why I'm such an advocate of CFP certification, hold the designation myself, and I really think that people who call themselves financial planners should hold that designation. There are other designations, however, that are somewhat rigorous, but not really at that level. And then there's designations that financial professionals can earn on a Saturday, and they go for six hours, and they have some lunch, and then they come out with some new title that then they put after their name. So what I would encourage you to do as a consumer of anything, financial services specifically, because that's the area that I feel like I know enough about to talk, but I want you to make sure that the person that you are working with, when they give you titles, they tell you what they had to do to earn the titles. They tell you the amount of work that went into getting it. You know, it's okay to ask, you know, was there a closed book exam? How many questions did the exam have? How much coursework did you have to complete? You know, the Chartered Financial Analyst designation is a huge designation. I actually think it's harder than the Certified Financial Planner designation. That's the designation that is held by people who manage enormous amounts of money on an institutional level. It is 
three years, three closed book exams, and it's incredibly difficult. So if you're working with someone who's a CFA, you can have great confidence that they have done a lot of work to be good with your investments. Still, the idea that the states are interjecting into this without really a lot of thought has caused not only um, Financial Planning Association concern, Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards concern, but other designations in other industries as well that are good, solid designations. And it feels like the states are taking kind of a ham-handed approach, really probably trying to protect consumers but not really getting there at the end of the day. So it's just something to be aware of. Use the information to ask people what they've done when they give you designations that they hold. But then also, if you feel like the CFP certification is a good certification, then that's something you should be aware of as well. So kind of, I don't figure this is going to go anywhere, but if it does, I just think you guys should be aware of it. The second really big piece of potential legislative news this week is the attempt of President Trump to move away from the concept of quarterly earnings for companies. Um, President Trump says he's talked to the Securities Exchange Commission to ask them to end quarterly reporting by United States businesses And he says that this will ease regulation and it will spur growth. Now, actually, there's some fairly big names like Warren Buffett is opposed to quarterly earnings. Jamie Dimon is opposed to quarterly earnings. And the concern with quarterly earnings is that every quarter the company is chasing the earnings so hard, they might cut corners in the business so that they show a better bottom line. They may not actually be acting in the most prudent way of a company to act. And I will grant there's a reasonable argument here, but I'm going to come down on the other side and say that I really think it would be a bad idea to do away with quarterly earnings. People have a tendency to rise to the level of transparency that you require. And if we don't make companies show what they're doing financially every quarter and instead move to a six-month reporting cycle, then you lose a lot of knowledge and a lot of information where shareholders and all kinds of business professionals could be concerned that they don't really know what's going on under the hood of the companies. And I am not at all convinced that losing transparency is a good thing. I really am not a fan of regulation for its own sake. I know that usually I'm coming down in favor of regulation that other people are opposed to, but I don't think that regulation in and of itself is good. I do believe that most people do not act any better than they have to. So when you do away with regulation, I'm just concerned that it could open the door to cause some longer-term issues with how companies manage themselves, the governance. And again, I don't think this goes anywhere. But if you listen to the show regularly, you know that I've said, I don't know what will propel the stock market forward from here. 
because we've had all of the deregulation last year. We had the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Remember, markets always anticipate what's coming next. So most of that's already baked into the stock price. And I haven't seen what would continue to drive the market forward at a great growth rate. I don't think the market's in trouble, but I don't see really what would make it continue to go forward at some sort of a rapid with another, you know, 10, 15, 20% crazy return like what we had last year. However, by floating these things and saying, hey, I'm trying to do this, that's actually giving the market something to anticipate. Now, I'm cynical. I think this is being done for political reasons because we really, um, people in charge probably don't want a major stock market decline or even just a flat stock market going into the midterms. I don't think we're going to have a major decline. I don't see anything that indicates it. But certainly a jazzed up stock market is better for the party in power than a flat market or a sluggish market or even a market that's in a little bit of a decline. So I don't really know that I believe there's anything to this. I think it's a way to goose the market, try to get it going up for the rest of the year. Certainly it does seem to be working. Um, The market is holding up really well, um, which is great for your 401k plan and your IRA. But if it doesn't happen, again, I worry about that expectation with potential for maybe a little bit of a pullback when this legislation doesn't actually happen or when the president doesn't sign an executive order. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity section of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And today I want to talk about company retirement plans. Company retirement plans are those plans that are offered at your work. Sometimes you have to enroll in them. Sometimes the company automatically enrolls you in them. It's really important that you understand your company's retirement plan, who provides money into that plan, What are the investment choices so that you can use this vehicle to help you save for your retirement? So the first thing that's very important to know is what kind of retirement plan do you have? And I realize that sounds like a basic question, but we hear the term 401k so many times, or we hear the term IRA so many times, that often I have clients come into my office and they really don't know what kind of plan they have. They might say they have a 401k when really they have a 403b or maybe even a 457. Why does that matter? Because the way you can contribute money into the plan relates to what kind of plan it is, especially if you've either been at the job for a long time or you're over age 50. So I want you to look at your company plan statement, find out what kind of plan it is, and I want you to talk to the HR department about any special situations if you've either had your job for a long time or you're over age 50 and you'd like to be able to contribute more money. 
Because this is radio and because I try to keep this interesting and entertaining, I don't want to go into all of those weeds on the air. But 403Bs have special catch-up provisions. 457s have different and 401Ks have different yet. So be careful that you know and you're not missing an opportunity. So know what kind of plan you have. The second thing you need to know is how much money can you defer into the plan? Most plans will allow you to defer money into them. Now, some employers have different kinds of plans. It's very common at a university to have one plan where the employer puts money in on your behalf. Usually, that's a 401A plan. And then a second plan where you defer money on your own, and usually that would be a 403B. The important thing to know is you may have two retirement plans, one that your employer is funding and one that you are funding. That's important so that you're sure that you're looking at all of your retirement statements and you have the allocations of stocks and bonds and funds and things correct in both accounts. I've had the occasional person come in who discovered on meeting with me they had one more retirement plan than they thought they did, and then we usually have to go in and look at the allocation. So be sure that you know how many accounts are out there and how they're invested. Also, look to see whether or not the money that you are deferring is before tax or after tax. Many retirement plans have a Roth provision, the most common, the 401k, has the Roth where you can actually pay your taxes today and fund that Roth 401k in after-tax money. Now, if an employer is putting money in on your behalf, that money is always in pre-tax dollars. So the employer money would come as gross pay that you'd pay income taxes on later, but you might have the option of either choosing to defer the taxation until later, when ideally you're in a lower tax bracket, or pay the taxes on it now and get the distribution later income tax-free. Some considerations there are looking at what your salary is now, how far along in your career you are, and whether you think there's actually a chance you might be earning more money in retirement than you are today, and possibly even therefore being in a higher tax bracket in retirement than you are today especially if you're young and you're getting started and you're not making a lot of money. It might make sense to put your own money in now when you pay your taxes today and then have that Roth distribution in retirement as income tax-free. These are very specific tax considerations. You should talk to your certified financial planner practitioner and your CPA to make sure that your... Um, choosing what makes the most sense for where you are now and where you think you'll be in the future. Another very important component, does your employer put in money only to match your contributions? So if you put in 3% of your salary, will your employer match that 3% of your salary? And it's also really important to know what percentage they'll match up to. 
You know, most employers, it's 3%. I've seen some employers go as high as 5 or 6 So again, this is a question for your HR department. Ask them, you know, what level is the match? I'm sure they told you all of this when you were hired, but you know those days of meetings were crazy and you may not remember. Maybe you've missed the once-a-year meeting discussing the plan specifics a couple of years. So you really need to be sure that you understand the terms of the plan. If your employer only puts in a match, then your participation in the plan gets more important. I've heard some financial celebrities say, oh, your 401k plan at work, the fees are too high, it's not good fund choices, you shouldn't really worry about it, and it really freaks me out. Because if your employer is offering you a match, and it's free money, if you put in 3% and they put in 3%, even if the fees are too high, even if the fund choices aren't fabulous, you're literally turning your back on free money. If they don't match, then the level of deferral that you can offer is usually higher than what you could do in an IRA. So if you've got the ability to put $15,000 back into a plan, even if there isn't a match, that's much better than the $6,6500 you can do right now in an IRA. If you need to really bulk up your retirement savings, your company retirement plan gives you the ability to do that in a tax-beneficial way. So make sure that you know what your plan is. Make sure you're participating in it. Make sure that you know what your employer matches. Make sure you know how much money you can put in. All of these things are going to make it much easier for you to create a retirement plan that gets you where you want to be. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. I'm Peggy Doviak, and today's question is Peggy. My employer offers a 3% match in my retirement plan, but I don't have enough money right now to be able to lose 3% of it, so I don't know what to do. And I hear this question a lot, especially if people are just getting started or it's a situation where money is tight. 3% doesn't sound like a lot of money until suddenly it's coming out of your paycheck and you've got bills to pay and it can be really overwhelming. So I want to start out by giving you and everybody else really good financial advice, even if I do say so myself. Do not think either or. I see so much either or thinking from clients, from other financial advisors, where it's either I'm in the market or I'm out of the market. What happens here is you think, I don't have 3% to match, so I'm not going to participate because I don't have enough money to do it. So either I'm in the plan or I'm not in the plan. Don't think like that, okay? Either or thinking is generally riskier than doing a compromise, looking in the middle. Maybe you can't do 3%. Can you do 1%? 
1% of your salary going into your company's retirement plan matched by your employer's 1% gives you 2% going in every year. And that's not nearly as overwhelming as sometimes trying to find 3%. So then once you've figured out, well, yeah, I can do that. That's not too much money. I want you to do a cash flow analysis. The heart of financial planning to me is cash flow, money going in, money going out. So look at your spending. See if there's anywhere where you're spending money and it's just kind of disappearing into the air. And a lot of times that's eating lunch out rather than taking your lunch or stopping by to buy coffee rather than carrying a thermos. And I know that saving a couple bucks a day isn't going to give you enough money for your retirement plan, but it might give you enough money to be able to add one more percent to the match so that now you're putting 2% in and your employer is putting 2% in. If you've already done that and it's just not there, then go ahead at the 1% if you possibly can. And then as you do better financially in the future, increase how much you're putting in. If you can, when you get a raise, use half of it for your expenses and then see if you could defer the other half of it into your retirement plan. That would very rapidly begin to increase the amount of money you're deferring into your retirement savings while you still get the benefit of getting that raise because if your cash flow is really tight, that raise might make your day in, day out life a lot easier to deal with. So try to increase the raise. Try to track your cash flow so that you can see what you're spending so that you might be able to find more money. Do not get overwhelmed. Do not give up. And if you say, you know, I just can't do it, that's okay. I'm not ever going to be in judgment of people. It's the other thing I don't like about financial professionals is they don't really seem to understand that sometimes you just can't. So if you can't, that's fine. But I want you to, on a calendar somewhere, I want you to look at your situation again in another year because it may be better then and you may be able to do it then. What happens is people can't, when they start working, then they kind of forget about it because they're not participating in it, so nothing really reminds them. Now it's five, six, seven years later, they could have done it if they had um, remembered to participate, but they've literally forgotten to do it. So if you can't do it now, or if you can only defer a little bit of money today, I want you to look at your situation in a year and just decide if you still can't. I want you to look again the year after that. It will get easier. It will get better. Circumstances will change. You'll get promoted. You'll get raises. But if you forget to look again, you'll be in a lot of trouble later making pretty good money with nothing at all set aside for retirement. So take the take the initiative to write it down, look at it regularly. This is where working with a financial planner can help because they just remind you of things you actually already knew that you needed to do. So that's the show for this week. And remember to always look at whether economic data is leading or lagging 
Don't get freaked out by stock market movements every single minute of every single day. Understand your company's retirement plan. Participate in it as much as you can. And if you can't do it now, then make the effort to look at it again in another year. So maybe you have a financial question, something you've always wanted to know the answer to. Remember that you can go to my Facebook page, Ask Peggy, and submit a question, and then I'll try to answer it on the air. If it's a complicated question, I may try to get some additional information just so I can be sure I understand the circumstances. Now, remember the answers to these questions are educational. They're not investment advice because I can't know enough data to be absolutely sure that I've accounted for everything that might go wrong with my answer. So always talk to a certified financial planner practitioner. Make sure that you've got all of this information squared into your overall financial plan to make sure that it meets your needs. So do that. Go to PeggyDoviak.com and you can learn more about me and my book. And I will see you next week. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.